Money FM 89.3. Best of Drive Time. Drive Time with Elliot, Timothy, and Chen Chen. Only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chuan Tian with you. Uh, it's time now to take a look at some headlines out of China in our China Perspective segment. And on the line with me is Dr. O. A. Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon again. Uh, it's a pretty busy week for China and beyond. Yeah. yeah, it looks like they've got headlines from just about everywhere. Uh, let's start off uh, with one that was uh, published yesterday. The Guatemalan president, Alejandro Giamatti, arriving in Taiwan to reinforce diplomatic ties with the island. Now, this visit has naturally drawn China's uh, irritation, should I say. They've slammed this. Um, what further reaction, Dr. O, oh, can we expect from China? Well, typically, China would have, uh, shall we say, a cocktail reaction of uh, <laughs> at least three ingredients. Mm. Uh, typically, there will be some sort of uh, economic sanctions. There will be some sort of uh, diplomatic pressure as well as uh, sometimes some military actions. So the relative weights between this, uh, these three ingredients uh, would vary, but uh, I think uh, in this case it's uh, likely to be the Chinese side taking some proactive diplomatic moves to try to, uh, shall we say, pry away, uh, let's say, yet another of uh, Taiwan's dwindling numbers of yeah. uh, countries recognizing it here. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a cocktail that uh, it's not tasty at all. Uh, Dr. O, before leaving for Taipei, uh, the Guatemalan president, uh, Alejandro Gemati, uh, said that he was making the trip to send a clear message that countries have a right to self-governance. That, of course, is the main so-called instigator, right? I'm curious, what is Taiwan's diplomatic relationship with Latin America like versus China's relationship with Latin America? What's the differences? Well, so most countries in Latin America, of course, uh, recognize uh, China, uh, have their one China policy yeah. and so on. But there are five uh, remaining uh, Latin American countries which uh, uh, still recognize uh, Taiwan. Keeping in mind Taiwan's uh, total number of uh, countries recognizing it, it's about 10. So this is like half of them. Uh, we have Guatemala, mm-hmm. we have Haiti. And then, if I remember correctly, St. Lucia, St. Kitts and Navis, and what is this, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Okay. Most of these are, of course, island countries here. Yeah. So even uh, Taiwan's uh, so-called um, relationship with uh, Paraguay is also a bit at risk because I think the, uh, an opposition candidate there said that he would switch recognition to Beijing if he's elected president uh, this year. So uh, quite, a, quite a bit of a battleground backdrop kind of thing. Yeah, indeed. Sorry, I forgot to mention uh, Paraguay. Mm. Indeed, uh, yeah, it is uh, one of the larger countries uh, in Latin America, right, right. which uh, still uh, recognizes uh, Taiwan. Uh, and for, for for Taiwan, of course, uh, Paraguay uh, traditionally has been a staunch uh, ally. Yeah. But let's see how it would do uh, under 
let's say, economic pressure as well as a switch of government and so on. Yeah, yeah economic pressure, a very key point there. Uh, Doctor, I just want to follow up on, on this uh, relationship issue with another one. Uh, China's foreign ministry over the weekend saying uh, the vice foreign minister Sun Wei Tong lodged uh, representations with the South Korean ambassador over remarks uh, by the South Korean president about Taiwan. So basically, uh, the South Korean president, uh, Yun Sok Yul, said increased tensions around Taiwan were due to attempts to change the status quo by force, and he was opposed to such a change. Um, Mr. Yun said the Taiwan issue is not simply an issue between China and Taiwan, but like the issue of North Korea, it's a global issue. Now, I know China would like to keep things to themselves. Yet another comment that's angered the giant. Well, this is uh, somewhat of an unprecedented comment from Mm. the Korean side on the Taiwan uh, issue. But of course, uh, in Korea, typically you have this sort of uh, change of government between the more conservative camps, such as that represented by the current President Jung, as well as, uh, you know, the more, shall we say, liberal camp as represented by the previous uh, government. Whenever you have a more conservative uh, president or government in uh, Korea, typically they would take a harder line against uh, China. We saw that uh, with the former President Park, for example, and now with uh, President Yoon. So we are not totally surprised uh, by, uh, this, by, by this sort of posture. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, commenting on Taiwan is indeed unprecedented uh, from the Korean perspective here. Yeah, I mean, the Chinese embassy uh, or the Chinese foreign ministry is saying that uh, Mr. Yun uh, did not mention the One China principle, yet at the same time you go and you know, equate the Taiwan issue with the Korean Peninsula issue, the North and South Korea issues. Like, uh, I, I guess they're trying to say it's not very balanced uh, sort of statement. Uh, Korea, until I think sometime in the 1990s, uh, they still recognize yeah. uh, Taiwan uh, yeah. And Taiwan and Korea, they were sort of allies during the Cold War. And uh, it is only, I think, in the 1990s when Korea decided Mm. to switch recognition to uh, China. Again, the the economic incentives is there because China is a much uh, bigger uh, market here. There's another statement, uh, there's another uh, news issue that came out uh, just yesterday, Dr. O, that I need a little bit of help with. So China said uh, yesterday that it respects the independence of the former Soviet Union states and that its position is unchanged after its diplomat to France sparked a firestorm in Europe by questioning their sovereignty. Uh, We all know the background to that story, but could you you help us understand, you know, uh, China's posture on this a little bit better? Well, the the uh, China ambassador to yeah. French uh, to France, uh, Mr. Lou Saye, <laughs> he is apparently a very uh, fluent French speaker, yeah. and he was interviewed on French TV. And you know, the interviewer was, shall we say, slightly uh, assertive in, in his <laughs> questions, right? So at some point, Ambassador Lou, I think, said something to the extent that uh, you know the sovereignty of. Uh, these uh, former Soviet republics, yeah. uh, they were not certain and so on. Of course, then uh, some of these uh, former Soviet republics, uh, especially those uh, which are now in EU, such as the Baltic states, the yeah. Latvia and the Estonia and the Lithuanians and so on, they were not particularly thrilled with this uh, yeah. statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, tensions between China and EU haven't been fantastic lately. Uh, does this potentially make it even worse? 
Well, uh, I don't think it could be. I, I hesitate to say it couldn't get any. any <laughs> okay, burst, fair point, fair but, point. But, uh, yeah, but indeed, uh, the tension between China and EU uh, has been rising mm. over the, the last few years, not the least uh, due to the pandemic, as well as uh, the EU's, uh, shall we say, taking uh, a more pro-US uh, approach when it comes yeah. to uh, China. Yeah, mm. uh, Doctor, let's let's move away from talking about uh, you know issues uh, that are building tensions uh, as far as relationships are concerned to something that's about ambition. China wants to start building a lunar base using soil from the moon in five years. Uh, how do you feel about living on the moon? Is this a viable plan? <laughs> Well, that uh, harks back to all these uh, sci-fi movies yeah. about lunar bases and so on, right? Yeah. But uh, if you look at uh, China's track record when it comes to uh, all this construction and so on, I think even if they were to build something in on, on Mars, I would not be surprised, right? <laughs> so uh, I think that is a statement uh, which essentially implies that uh, within the next few years, uh, they are confident uh, in uh, sending, uh, yeah. shall we say, some astronauts to uh, to the moon. Because first you need to make some moon landing first, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, then you can talk about uh, building your moon bases. But if they were to be able to do that, that would indeed be uh, one giant leap uh, for not only China, but for mankind as a whole. Because even the U.S., uh, did not uh, build such a lunar base. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it would be fun. Eh? Can you imagine that time comes? Uh, you get regular uh, news reports uh, from the moon. Uh, <laughs> only in the movies, I suppose. But the United States. I mean, you mentioned earlier on that United States have never been able to do this, Doctor O. How how are they reacting so far? It kind of feels like we're back in the old ages where the space race is on again. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Yeah. Uh, but the U.S. nowadays, in terms of uh, its uh, space industry, yeah. it's, uh, I think, very much privatized, right? We yeah. see yeah. our friend uh, Elon Musk yeah. uh, trying to launch his uh, not-so-successful rockets and, and so on. So uh, in the U.S., at least, I think the, the space industry is no longer very much a government-driven. In fact, it's driven such as uh, Elon Musk and so on. Whereas uh, in China, of course, as usual, uh, it will still have its uh, very much uh, state-dominated, uh, state-driven mm. uh, space uh, ventures. Yeah. All right. I've been speaking with Dr. O. A. San, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, as always, I do appreciate your time. You take care and have a great Tuesday evening, yeah? Well, thank you very much indeed. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.